Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Moon Unit Zappa, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Martin Popoff here back with another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. Uh, been doing this for over three years now. Never missed a week. We are uh, part of a vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network of uh, directly and only and purely music podcasters. Uh, we're available on Spotify, iTunes and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. This is episode 171. I'm calling this chorus first. It's uh, that's your short title of uh, of an episode that I was going to call "Songs That Started with the Chorus" kind of thing. Um, so we're gonna look at these and why and why it takes place. I've got some nice quotes uh, to give here by a few people who have written on the subject that I think are pretty cool food for thought. Um, but let's start with our first selection. Take a listen to this. This is Judas Priest with "Living After Midnight." Okay, so I wanted to pick this first because it's one of the first ones that came to mind for me. And I actually went through uh, most of these examples, at least isolated to the bands I've picked here. I've gone through and uh, and looked and seen what other ones I could find. And this actually doesn't happen very often with our, you know, in our umbrella of bands, our, our sort of classic rock, heavy metal, hard rock bands. Um but this is a really strong one. I remember when this song came out as an advanced single from British Steel. We were we were quite very concerned for our Judas Priest how amazingly heavy they had been for the last, you know, four four groundbreaking albums. And then they come out with these Louie Louie chords in this uh in this Living After Midnight chorus. But the nice thing about this one is that it's a very catchy chorus. 
but a cool thing happens. It goes into the verse and, and the verse is kind of like, it's, it's still pretty commercial, but it's, but it's good old heavy Judas priest again. The, the verse of this one is a lot heavier than the chorus. That's uh, that's one of the arguments I end up making about rainbow down to earth on uh, what song would it be? All, all night long um, is, oh, no, it's, it's the other way. Uh, I, anyways, I can't remember, uh, but, uh, but yeah, this is, um, this is a, a pretty pretty cool one where um, you know it, it grabs your attention right away, but then you're into the verses and the verses are kind of good chugging, you know, back to the darker chords sort of thing. So um, I wanted to explore sort of the concept as we went went along here. So there's a there's a Gary Ewer um, who's written the essential secrets of songwriting, and uh, I'm just going to quote a couple things here and we'll discuss. He goes, "It may seem strange to start start a song with a chorus if you consider that choruses usually give the emotional response to whatever's being described in the verse." So that's kind of cool. So his idea is that you know the verses kind of tell the story, and the chorus is kind of the big wrap up. Or like he says, it's it's almost like an abstract, short, you know, bumper sticker version of the emotional response of what went on in the verse. That's kind of a neat neat idea. Uh, you know, obviously not every chorus, but it but it's a it's kind of a cool thing that's probably a trend with choruses. And he says, and how can you respond to something that hasn't been described yet? But it really can work, and it's worth some experimenting. The main reasons you might consider starting with a chorus is the shot of energy your your song would get right from the start. And and that's true. Uh, what Gary's saying here is is uh, is accurate in that you know the chorus is usually usually the the chords kind of go up, the energy goes up, the instrumentation uh, instrumentation gets filled in a little more. You know you kind of get an all hands on deck sort of situation. But yeah, quite often. Um, you know, quite often the singer's going to be singing in a higher range. Uh, you know, there's repetition, there's an anthemic quality to a quality to a chorus. So again, um, he's right with this whole shot of energy thing. Um, let's see, beyond the energy shot uh, that starting with the chorus provides, there's another reason you'd consider starting songs this way, and it has to do with the lyric. Starting with the chorus lyric uh, provides sharp focus for your song, pulling the listener in immediately. It gets right to the point and tells your audience, this is what I'm talking about here. So yeah, it's kind of cool. So so yeah, I mean, you like I say, you instantly have that hook line, that thing that you can you repeat to your buddies, that bumper sticker sort of phrase. And often, in many cases, as, as with this one, you've got the title, the title of the song, right? Um, let's see what else he say. Starting with the chorus lyric uh, particularly makes sense if the start of the verse lyric is ambiguous or overly vague. The verse chord progression starts on a harmonically fragile chord. Um, yeah, and you know, and I noticed that with some of these, um, that the verses are a little difficult. Um, so it's kind of cool that he's got this idea of, you know, you might want to do this to save the song uh, in a way, uh, that the balance of the verse, you know, some of the verses I've noticed uh, with some of these songs that I, you know, maybe not not the, the prime examples, but they can be a little bit weak or a letdown. And and that actually proves that contrast between chorus and verse usually. Uh, like even with even with all things considered and the verse being strong, it there is this feel of a of a letdown or or an easing into the song that you get uh, with some of these. Um, Let's see, what else does he say here? Uh, he says, the quality uh, all of these reasons have in common is energy. We're used to the gradual energy build that happens in verse chorus designs, but there are times when you want or need to show your hand by getting to the point right away. Yeah, kind of cool, show your hand. Um, okay, let's move on to our second selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Twisted Sister with I Wanna Rock. I Wanna Rock! rock! 
Okay, so this is a great example because, um, you know, he does it a cappella first. So, so you immediately get that bumper sticker, that adrenaline rush, I want to rock. You know exactly what the song's about, what the album's about, what Dee Snider is about, what the band is about. Um, you know, they just belt it out, they yell it out. Um, you know, and this... This describes to that idea that uh, I, I've mentioned before that Randy Bachman told me that I thought was really cool. He says, uh, you, you should, uh, you know, to write a hit, you should uh, know what the song is within the first four seconds. Well, you know this one within the first second and a half what it is. I mean, it, it's, you can't be, you can't be uh, more clear about it. Um, and also, We're Not Gonna Take It is a, is a good example of this as well. Straight to the point, you know the song, it's anthemic, it's a, it's a great, you know, rallying call. And, um, and then I, know, I, I checked a few Twisted Sister, believe it or not, I went, and I went through a bunch of those albums and, and looked for these. And uh, one other I found that was kind of interesting is uh, I Am, I'm Me from You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. So all he does is goes, I Am, I'm Me, and then you're into it. So that's kind of cool. It's, it's almost like he's, he's like naming the song for you, and, and then you're into it. All right. So a few other comments here. This is a songwriting instructor named uh, Tony Conniff. He writes, uh, most commonly verse-chorus songs start with the verse and build into the chorus. This allows the song to begin its story or situation and to build up drama and excitement, ideally climaxing with the chorus. Uh, almost all songs involve some kind of story or a situation that's summed up in the chorus. So same kind of idea. Or a question that's answered in the chorus. That's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's literally like if you're, if, they're, if you're stating a bunch of uh, opinions or whatever, uh, you get the strong answer in the chorus is, is what he's saying. Um, so why would you reverse it? One big benefit is that you start the song and hopefully grab the listener with the strongest, most memorable part of your song. Again, um, uh, yeah, the, the chorus is going to be the most memorable part of the song. It's probably not the verses or the break or the guitar solo. Sometimes it's the intro. Um, if they go for it, you're in. It makes the song more of an all-in situation. You either win them uh, at the top or you don't. You're not gradually hooking them. The downside is if your strongest section doesn't do the job, you've lost. And that doesn't mean you have a weak chorus. Many very good choruses need a lead-in. Think of My Girl or Billie Jean. Um, great choruses, but would you start with them? Bad idea. Depends on how well the chorus works as a standalone the first time through without any lead. Um, yeah, you know, that's, it's, it's kind of, I, he's alluding to this idea that, um, you know, like I say, when I checked a lot of these songs, there is kind of a letdown as you get, as you get to the verse after that chorus. But I suppose subconsciously, you know, that, that, uh, more, more bouts of the chorus is coming. Well, let's see. He says, when you start with an intro and a verse, you have a chance to build up suspense and mystery where both lyrically and musically is this, is where, where is this leading? The answer usually being the chorus. Successful songs that begin with the chorus also create mystery, but in a different way. The listener looks forward to an explanation, a fuller accounting of what the chorus lyric is about. Think of Can't Buy Me Love, What or Who Can't Buy Me Love, or Help, uh, All About That Bass, What's All About That Bass, I Shot the Sheriff, Who, Why, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, Of What, Fast Car, What's That About? So yeah, that's kind of cool. So what he's saying is, uh, let me just see if any of my examples here, maybe the honorable mentions, um, eh, yeah, here and there, um, try, try to remember this idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, one of them coming up is like this. So, so he's kind of saying that, um, the chorus might be enigmatic or it might be a weird turn of phrase that, that is going to leave you wondering what's going to happen. And obviously, yeah, the best example of that is I shot the sheriff, right? 
crazy one there. Uh, let's see. Uh, then he says, then there are songs where opening of the chorus is more of a declaration of intent or a bugle call, like get the party started, good time, she loves you. It's worth noting that starting with the chorus is not... Uh, or not is usually something you know when you're writing the song, but not always. It can sometimes be more of an arrangement production decision. Yeah, kind of cool. Uh, all right, uh, this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash five songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's move on to our third selection. This is Cheap Trick with Dream Police. Oh yeah, love this song. Very cool song. Um, so yeah, they, it's a, this is a very strong chorus. It's it's big. It's almost like Bruce Springsteen, Born to Runish. It grabs the listener. It's it's sunny. It's bright. But the funny thing is, this is a great example of what are the verses even about? The verses it just drops down. There's barely a drum beat. Um, and it, it, and they're so brief that, that, um, you know, they're, they're soon back into the sugar rush of that amazing chorus. Um, I want you to want me is kind of the same thing. Um, so it's one of these as well. Uh, and voices actually from the same album is like that also, and, but it's more of a, more of like just a quick hello and an intro and, and then you're in sort of thing. Uh, actually cheap trick is a band that I didn't actually go through the albums and, and really check stuff on again. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to mention there was a, there was a top, uh, 10 done by uh, far out magazine. And, um, I'm just going to maybe a, a couple of remarks from the writer of that on in the intro, Tyler Golson, he says, don't bore us, get to the chorus. So that's, he says an excellent maxim to live by and one that more artists should embrace with fervor so you know kind of in a way that like Phil Phil Anselmo told me Pantera it's all about the money riff we're the money riff all the time right so what Tyler is saying here is uh is don't bore us get to the chorus the chorus is the best part hit hit us with it right away it's a good idea um let's see um Long extended intros should be kept uh, to the realm of jam bands. If you're trying to make a solid first impression, why hit the listener square in the face? 
with the catchiest moment, most memorable part of this uh, part of the song right off the bat. And why not hit the listener? Now it's not often obvious which part of the song is the chorus. Classic A A B A song structure, best known for its prevalence in jazz standards and tin pally compositions, but also used by musicians influenced by this particular style of songwriting, like Brian Wilson, Surfer Girl, and Lennon McCartney from Me to You. Disregards the verse chorus form. Other songs like Bohemian Rhapsody in 2112 are epic song suites that ignore the formalities of a chorus. Yeah, that brings up a point. I actually did a little research into songs that don't have a chorus of all a chorus at all stairway to heaven is one of those um and then and then looking at this episode um there are these brief bits of chorus and and something i'm going to mention a little little later where it's a little bit of a um well i'll mention it now actually because because we've shown acapella versions of this uh if you listen to blue oyster cult heavy metal the black and silver from uh, fire of unknown origin it starts with the chorus but it's the whole chorus musical melange, but none of the words. Then you're into the verse, so you get different verse music with, with the verse words put on it. And then when the chorus comes back, for the first time you actually get the words, which are the title. Um, so that's kind of cool. And speaking of Blue Oyster Cult, True Confessions off of Agents of Fortune does this. Uh, it, well, it's a perfect example of, of starting uh, you know, a, a thing that starts with a chorus. Um, all right, let's go on to our fourth selection. Take a listen to this. This is Aerosmith with Back in the Saddle. All right, so this is one of those that um, you know. I think when it gets to the verse, it's still it's still a great song because the galloping is kind of going going on there. But the neat thing about this one with the chorus is, um, I I never liked the music behind the back in the saddle chorus very much, or the verses actually. Um, this is not one of my favorite songs on Rocks, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. I know Joe Beck, it's I, I believe it's your favorite uh, er, uh, album of all time, close to it. Um, but anyways, um, the the amazing thing about this one is uh, is Steven Tyler's you know absolute throat shredding, uh, you know back in the saddle again, right? Um, and you know you get that right away. So he's really capturing your attention with doing that uh, you know that that major major scream of the chorus. Um, and I looked at Aerosmith; uh, they did uh, they started uh, a song with a chorus with uh, "Dude Looks Like a Lady." And sweet emotion uh, as well. I mean, you get a long intro. A lot of these have intros, but then you get the the chorus, um, which is kind of a funny one because in that song, it's almost like the verses are more exciting than the chorus, which is kind of odd. Um, so they start with this chorus, which isn't a great sell job on the song, but then the verses are, you know, amazing, proto Van Halen-esque, you know, bright, sunny, heavy metal sort of thing, right? So that's kind of a funny one. And uh, curiously enough, there were two from the Nine Lives album. Falling in Love is Hard on the Knees uh, begins with chorus, and so does Taste of India. So uh, so Aerosmith kind of likes this, but I did go through uh, many Aerosmith albums. I, I believe I went through every album up until Nine Lives at least and and looked. And uh, I didn't I didn't particularly well, I didn't because I, I would they'd be in my notes. Uh, but I, so I, I, I might have missed one or two. Uh, you can let me know, but I didn't see any uh, other ones. So um, but yeah, it's kind of cool that they've got these ones. All right, let's move on to our fifth and final selection. 
This is Guns N' Roses with Paradise City. Take me down. Okay, well, this is a huge famous one, of course, for sure. And it's got the big buildup. So it's got it's got these different versions of the chorus, uh, you know, coming into full, full blossom, full bloom kind of thing. Um, so yeah, terrific way to build up a song. And then the neat thing is, is when they go into the verse, the verse is also really exciting on this. It's really heavy and Aerosmithy, like like very heavy Aerosmith kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, big anthemic chorus and big build up to the song, so it, it feels like a big epic. And and it's you know frankly, it's got to be, I would say tied for maybe the second biggest hit on the album. I mean, welcome to welcome to the jungle and sweet child of mine are obviously massive hits as well. Um, but Paradise City is not too uh, too far belong. So yeah, that's a good one for the Gunners. And I I quickly took a look through uh, the rest of this album and uh, the two Use Your Illusions, and I didn't didn't spot anything. Other, like I say, they, I, I would mention it here. You know, if if I if I um suspected of one i would usually go play it to check and then and then check it out but i didn't really even suspect but maybe there is one or two um all right honorable mentions um we talked about the beatles a little she loves you rain help can't buy me love i didn't check all these but i can i can kind of hear them in my head and, and hear that that's the case stevie nicks edge of 17 is one that gets talked about a lot it's got that big dramatic anthemic chorus so that's pretty cool journey any way you want it starts acapella right um so that's them doing that twisted sister thing um same kind of thing a grateful dead casey jones um this is another one where the chorus is much better than the verses i think on that one um another interesting one is kansas carry on wayward son so again acapella um and then you get those complicated chorus chords, that that great vaulted rising epic thing, and then it's into the verses. And the verses on this one, if you recall, are probably the least exciting thing about the whole song because they're pretty much mellow, right? Um, and then it's got all that, you know, the, the big firepower all over the place, and and of course the chorus is really good on that one. I checked David Bowie, Let's Dance, and that's a complicated one because it's it's almost like it's just got this this vocal hook let's dance which is very short and it's kind of mixed in with everything but then there is a different part that does feel more like the verse um tears for fear shout is a is a massive example of this um you know so much so i'm not even a fan and of course i can hear the chorus in my head and i don't even know how the verses go super tramp give a little bit paul mccartney maybe i'm amazed uh, living color open letter to a landlord i did check that one it's a little dodgy um the who you better you bet that one kind of works um uh, and again that's one where the the instrumentation isn't isn't the full bl- full band version it's more like a like a not fully a cappella but it's an intro version and then you're into the verses and then you get it stronger later abba dancing queen apparently uh casey and the sunshine band that's the way i like it uh we talked about i shot the sheriff um eurythmics sweet dreams are made of this um kind of kind of a cool one um, you know, uh, I, I see cited all the time, uh, Rolling Stone satisfaction, but that's, that's one where it's almost like that bluish to called heavy metal, black and silver one, where you're getting that, that major signature riff, 
Um, but it's not really. I mean, that's one where it's kind of all mixed together. Uh, there's there's pre, there's post. It's a pretty complicated song for a 60s song, right? So it's not exactly the chorus that, uh, that you're getting there. Um, so there you go. Uh, there's a bunch of songs that start with choruses. I wanted to, uh, you know, I've, I've been remiss in doing this feedback uh, thing, um, you know, for, from Facebook. And, and there was some good stuff on the the um, the episode that was uh, No Category Bands, episode 168. So I wanted to see, uh, mention a few of these or read off a few Facebook comments. Jason Leonard says, what a great topic. Clutch was the first band I thought of. By the way, um, you don't look uh, old at all. You're the wise professor of rock. Oh, what, why was I saying that? I I guess we were talking about how I think I've aged out of uh, of working at Banger. That might be what that's all about. As you once wrote, some of those young pups believe that the history of metal is a pamphlet. I've always enjoyed your work on Banger TV. Okay, so we were talking about that. Uh, Joe Beck mentions Foo Fighters. Again, good one. Uh, you know, grunge became post-grunge. Grunge dissolved, basically. Grunge at one point came, became grunge light. It became hard alternative. Um, so yeah, by the time the food, Foo Fighters uh, come come around, there's really no more grunge anymore. And they start off kind of like a grunge band, maybe more of a melodic one. Um, Steve Bella writes, how about Jane's Addiction and Faith No More? Yep. Um, funk metal, <laughs> perhaps for Faith No More. But yeah, this is this, is this great thing of this whole California thing happening. Uh, with these no category bands that serves as a little bit of a firing up and an inspiration for grunge to even start happening. Maybe Last Crack, Power Trio from Hell, Big F. Yeah, there's some good ones. Um, again, you know, some of these have pastiches of funk and psychedelic 90s metal and uh, boy, Screaming Cheetah Wheelies. That was another one from around that time, right? Collision. Remember that band? two albums on Sony. Steve Polari writes, perhaps Dinosaur Jr. and the Pixies. Yep. You know, generally called Dinosaur Jr. You would almost call a grunge band. Uh, Pixies, you would, you know, you just got to call them an alternative band or hard, hard alternative. I remember when Tim was working at, um, at the big HMV and, you know, we used to joke about these, literally these, you know, the, the plastic cards that would go in. And, and I, I believe they had a, had a, a complete department called hard alternative at one point, believe it or not, or, or, or he was made to change some of the metal to hard alternative, something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny how the categories, when they get officialized, uh, at a store like that, it's pretty cool. Uh, let's see. Brandon D. Nike writes an awesome idea for an episode. I'd put Deftones in a list like this. There isn't really a label that encompasses everything they do. Uh, Don writes Manassas would be the best example of not fitting into one genre. Their first release was a double album. They even recorded each side based on all different genres. Wow. Everything from folk, country, rock for the, for the times, blues, bluegrass, even some Latin sounding music. I think it hurt them. They were a witch's brew with too many ingredients. There were so many talented band members plus a slew of sit-in musicians on certain songs the variety didn't uh didn't pull an audience from all of the genres i think it alienated the possible multiple multiple audiences uh etc etc she mentions uh stephen stills um mark michael ayub writes killing joke and the church yeah the church is a funny one psychedelic folk maybe um killing joke post-punk well killing jokes 
Killing Joke, I always forget to kind of mention them as a post-punk band, but they're pretty pretty good in that category. Maybe uh, maybe a little heavy. Um, but Mark also writes, they genre hop so much it's impossible to put them in a single category. Jamie Laszlo writes, yeah, Clutch and King's X had to be included for sure. I keep a lot of my albums categorized by genre, and I, and I always struggle with Night Ranger. Are they hair metal, or are they hard rock, or are they AOR in the same vein as Foreigner and Journey? Yeah, the, Jamie, the funny thing about Night Ranger is they started before there was hair metal. So there was just that connective tissue era where they kind of sat pretty much alone doing what they did there. It was this this weird melodic, you know, think, think about 1982, kind of they're, they're at their peak around 82, right? Um, yeah, weird time. Um, I w- Jamie also writes, I wonder if Pink Floyd deserves to be mentioned. A lot of people don't consider them to be prog rock. Absolutely. Pink Floyd's one we all debate all the time. Are they prog rock? What do you do with those guys, right? Um Let's see, going outside the realm of hard rock. I never knew what to call Neil Diamond. Is he rocky? Is he listening pop singer-songwriter? No one really sounds like him. Maybe he's a snow globe artist. Yeah, that's the other episode I got to do at some point, snow globe artist. Jamie, he is definitely not a snow globe artist, though. Uh, Speaking of snow globe artists, I'm looking at Kate Bush, Lou Reed, Yob, and Radiohead. Well, let me address this, Jamie, right now. Kate Bush is not going to fit in my snow globe artist. Lou Reed almost does. Yob, no. And Radiohead, no. Um, so I have a very specific idea for this thing. So that's how that's going to work. Uh, let's see. Uh, Colston Veer writes, The science of sub and micro genres is what got me into watching music list videos uh, on YouTube. Two reasons. I was in the process of digitizing my collection and needed a satisfactory way of structuring it. Secondly, my daughter had flown the coop and... Loud music in the house was permitted again. My period of metal abstinence had pretty much covered the proliferation of metal subgenres. I couldn't tell you the difference between death and black metal. The rest was noise. This is where banger and a little-known presenters of theirs, Mr. Martin Popoff, came to my attention. To get the point, get to the point where banger's guidance couldn't help me figure a band out. I used to catch all categories extreme metal to hoover up those bands. Yeah, that's that's when we had to do that extreme metal episode, right? But that was more politics about. Um, you know, nobody wanting to buy a black metal or um, death metal uh, episode from us. Uh, in that folder went uh, uh, Celtic Frost, Venom, etc. Let's see. I've since discovered the Metal Archive, which is really helpful. As for others, I used uh, Geog geographical or scene categories pantera i throw in southern metal yeah that one that one always drove me a little crazy southern metal uh little feet i have in a laurel canyon folder but i'm considering swamping it out for a swamp music folder uh containing louisiana new orleans feeling artists certainly one of my own okay i've always struggled with bands like the police and red hot chili peppers starting off started off interesting and then trended off towards a boring nothingness i i wouldn't agree with the police that's for sure um obvious uh, red hot chili peppers much guiltier of this trend yeah i don't know colston i think all of the police albums sound essentially the same kind of genre and they made up a genre themselves I, I think they're pretty awesome what they did nobody ever sounded like the police before or after and i think the police sounded like the police on every one of those i think it's five albums right uh, other bands that came to mind are the beatles and the stones with too much going on and cake and bare naked ladies with not enough to pin a genre on them. still a fantastic episode very cool. Uh, Vanya Burek writes, I agree with all the choices, but Slayer. They might touch on black metal and punk, but their vast majority is pure thrash. Metallic is much better candidate, in my opinion. They seem extremely uncategorizable. Well, Vanya, I mean, my point was in that one um, was that Slayer started off away, and then and then we all kind of agreed where they belonged afterwards. That, that was my point with that one. There you go. Um, 
If you like this show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi, uh, rhymeswithnofee.com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint. On that front, I would like to thank this week Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, John Clark, Jeremy French, Ryan Gavalier, Michael Gendelman, Andrew Meyer, David Fisher, Melissa Nee, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Steve Polari, Stephen, Stephen Samchuk, John Stuckey, and Daryl Woodard. Thank you very much. Um, yeah get my books martinpopoff.com i still have some of the damned uh i ran out of easy action the alice cooper the original alice cooper group but i still have some of feed uh feed my frankenstein and you can get all that at martinpopoff.com thanks very much talk to you again next time find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.